0: subordinates, economically exploits, and socially dominates a group of people is tyrannical because it reduces them to slaves. So I think that what maybe might be a good exercise is to say this, ask ourselves this question. Give me a yes or no. Do you think that black people are politically subordinated? Are we politically subordinated or are we considered political equals to white people? Do you, or do you think that we're politically subordinated? Or we're maybe being used for our votes, but not necessarily getting anything from the political process. Okay, all right. So I, I see a lot of yeses. Thank you, Jimmy and K, Nancy and, uh, and and uh, and Chris and Tarsha. All right. So second question: uh, economically exploits. Do you think black people are black people being economically exploited? Uh, and 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 let's and then I'll bench a couple of ways that I think that we might be. Where do you think? Or do you, the, give me a yes or no. Do you think black people being economically exploited? Okay. All right. So uh, a few ways we're being economically exploited uh one we, we're we're typically trained to be consumers and not producers, we're trained to be spenders and not savers, we're trained to be employees and not employers, we're also trained to be renters and not owners, right? So one of the, the one of the things that uh, that that we're doing in this space that I'm sort of training you guys on and I want to guide you to is shifting your mindset so that you're not trying to be the renter, you want to be the owner, you're not trying to be the employee all the time, you're trying to be the employer you're not trying to always be the consumer. You want to be the producer, right? Because that's where the power is, right? So so he says, okay, so that's two out of three. Uh, he, he said, so political subordination, economic exploitation. So in America, you're being politically subordinated, you're being economically exploited, and then socially dominated. Would you say that black people are socially dominated, that just in society that being black kind of comes with a lot of baggage, you know, problems, maybe dealing with the police, dealing with the court systems, uh dealing, you know, getting opportunities from other people, getting people to see you as equal, right? So so there's social domination there too, right? A little bit of almost if you if you internalize it too much, it can almost feel like bullying. I don't know, but there is kind of a social domination that does occur uh in America if you are black. So what they're saying here is that the columnists deal the columnists dealing with the British. They saw that they they knew from serfdom. So maybe to understand this deeply, you gotta go back and look at the history of serfdom, which is connected to uh, unfortunately how capitalism works in its in its worst form, right? So serfdom was the same way. You 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 find groups of people, you politically subordinate them, economically exploit them, and socially dominate them, and, and you're basically making money off the little guy. So you have 90% of the population basically working to serve the interests of the top 10%. So for for black people, uh, th- this is interesting, I, I think, because what they were feeling from the British is exactly what you're feeling from, uh, from your oppressor right now. Uh, and so he says that the colonists did not want to be England's serfs. And, 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 and he compares them to slaves. He said that they're basically slaves. So a lot of black people, the, the interesting thing that I need you to kind of understand is that slavery isn't over. You know, if you, slavery in my view, I don't know. I'd be, slavery to me, very simply put, is a lack of freedom. That's it. You can't do what you want to do, right? And if you look at what people, the way people live their lives every day, if you, if you say, hey, why don't we take some time off and go to the park with the kids? A lot of people are going to say, I can't because I got to go to work, right? Um, so to me, that's slavery. When you can't do what you want to do, you, you're, you're, you are a slave. So ultimately... Uh, he says the colonists did not want to be England's serfs. They preferred to fight, and when they d- when they did ignite, or sorry, when they did, they ignited and fought the Revolutionary War for their independence. So they preferred to fight. So that word "fight" pops in right now. Am I am I loud enough? Give me a yes if you can hear me. Okay. Uh, somebody asked if, my, if the volume was loud enough. Uh, give, am I am I loud enough? Okay. I'm seeing a lot of yeses. All right. So I'm gonna keep talking at the same volume. I'm not gonna turn my microphone up or anything. Okay. Good. All right um so so they they fought they fought they had to fight in order to end the tyranny or the slavery that came from political subordination economic exploitation and social domination they had to fight so the question that black folks must ask themselves is are you fighting and what are you fighting for are you fight they, they probably couldn't have escaped political subordination economic exploitation and social domination by simply trying to uh, Align themselves with the people that were oppressing them. They, 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 they couldn't. You know, integration into into England would not have ended the political, economic, and social uh, chaos, or and, and the pain that they were feeling. They weren't able to escape their pain point by uh, by just trying to go along and get along, right? So when you talk, when we celebrate in America, integration, like it's this wonderful thing. You know, because Dr. King gave a speech or something, and, and then suddenly little white girls and little black boys can hold hands and and you can go work next to white people and, and they're they're telling you that black lives matter and you know and all that. Sure, it 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 might mean that the, the battle's over, the discomfort has kind of subsided a little bit, right? Relative to being completely ostracized, but that's not the same as freedom. That just means that you're getting along because you've accepted your role as a subordinate in the overall racial hierarchy. So so that's the challenge that we have right now in this generation in my view is that you have some black people who've accepted our role as subordinates in the racial hierarchy and then those of us who have not. Those of us who said no to hell with that. I'm going to fight you. I'm ready to I'm ready to, I'm ready to, ready to duke it out. Maybe not necessarily get weapons and guns and all that, but I can fight you in other ways. The Chinese don't really fight with weapons as much. They fight with economics. They fight with intellect. They fight They fight socially. They fight with technology. They. You don't have to fight a war by going and killing somebody. There are a thousand different ways to fight a war beyond just simply running up and slapping somebody. Right? That, 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 I keep going back to the Oscars. <laughs> I, I, my, my big thing with Will Smith was always like, look, there are a million ways you could have slapped Chris Rock without actually physically having to hit him because you're a very powerful man. I don't understand why it, that wasn't how it played out. So my point here is to say that... Um, that in America that's what you have that that's the difference between uh the integrationist crowd and those who uh sit on the outskirts like people like me is is the willingness and desire to fight uh, I'm not fighting to get more jobs for black people so they can go work for white people I'm not fighting to get awards from white people I'm not fighting to be acknowledged by white people I'm not fighting to to see to it that that we get a chance to sit in their schools and hold hands with 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 little yeah. white girls what no, I'm, I'm fighting for real power, right? And and that creates a level of discomfort um, because war is never comfortable for anybody, but war is kind of where you define the new order of things to kind of make it clear, like, look, we're not accepting a subordinated position from you. I'm not sitting behind no white man no more. I'm not doing that. We're not doing that. So so ultimately, um, I, I, I think that that's one of the reasons why Dr. Claude Anderson, in writing a book like Powernomics, ended up alienating a lot of what I what you might call, if you want to be nasty about it, you can call them Negro apologists. I don't I I, I don't want to sound too nasty, but that's kind of what I'm feeling. That's what I'm thinking, right? Um, he upsets. He goes to Capitol Hill and he says, we have to fight for reparations. And they all run to the bathroom. They all hide. They don't want to talk to him. Or he says, hey, we need to go to, uh, make sure all of our kids are learning our real history, so that we're not, um, you know, being lied to in school. Well, then, you know, the black administrators in the public schools say, "Oh, we don't want to associate with that because that's going to make things uncomfortable." That's why Dr. Anderson, as great as he is and as celebrated as he is, and, and a man who's literally the modern day Marcus Garvey, um, that's why he's lived in D.C. for forty or fifty years and has never been invited to speak at Howard University. So how how can Howard University, a school that allegedly represents Uh, black people completely ignore one of the greatest black men in history that lives right down the street from them when they invite probably 40 or 50 speakers in to speak every single year, right? It's a a travesty on one hand, but on the other hand, it makes sense if you understand the differences in objectives. Howard University's job is not to necessarily uh, be all that revolutionary in their thinking. They're not really trying to do what the American colonists did with the British. They're not really trying to fight they're simply trying to sort of get a, get in there, right? Get get a little bit of that money. Like if I go sit down with Joe Biden and take my hand, you know, sit, show up, you know, with my hat in my lap and and and, and kind of like kindly and politely ask him for money, maybe he'll he'll throw me a couple bones. And the problem with that though is that for Black people, that has come with tremendous amounts of disrespect. Uh, and so, so my old my philosophy on this. Is that part of the reason that this strategy has not worked and that you still feel oppressed, even with all the begging and the groveling and all the apologizing and all the you know, you know, all the sort of uh shucking and jiving going on is because you're dealing with people that don't really understand anything other than power. You're dealing with a culture, everything's culture. Your competitor has a culture where for the last five, 10,000 years. If you wasn't ready to come in there and chop somebody's head off, you wouldn't get no respect at all. They've dealt with If you look at the history of Europe, just go, you know, go if you want to go watch some Netflix shows like The Last Kingdom. If you didn't show up ready to literally make some heads roll to make your point, then you got no respect. You weren't going to get power by groveling. It was always going to be uncomfortable. To make your point, you had to be a little bit ruthless, and it, it kind of sucks because I don't know if that's necessarily our nature. I don't even know if that's that's good human nature, but that's what you're dealing with because that's how they've always dealt with each other. So, So at the very least, what I would say is I'm not telling you to have to necessarily get up and go to war with every white person you meet. I'm not telling you to do any of that. What I am saying, though, is that you better show up with some power. If you can't show up with power, then every word that comes out of your mouth means absolutely nothing. When I negotiate, I always ask myself, "Do I have any leverage?" So, whether I'm negotiating uh, to get something, to get the kids in the house to do something, or I'm trying to negotiate over my vote in the next election, what is my leverage? Oh, I know what my leverage is in my in the in the next election. Well, if you don't give me what I want, then I'm not voting for you. I'm putting my vote back in my pocket, and you're gonna have another four years of Donald Trump. That's gonna be your problem, not mine not mine. If you really want to get rid of him or want to get rid of whatever scary Republican is running for office, you need to deliver something for me. If you can't do that, then I'm going to walk away. You cannot obtain power without leverage because if you have no leverage and all you're doing is begging, you are a weak entity that's sitting there begging a more powerful party to give you something they ain't got to give you. Why would they give you anything if you have no leverage and no ability to invoke a punishment to those who don't give you what you want? Do you understand what I'm saying? So so I'm reading this and I'm reading about uh, this oppression thing that the colonists were feeling with the British and how they basically had to fight in order to overcome all of this. If they had chose not to fight, if they said, "Well, we don't want nobody to get hurt. We don't want nothing bad to happen. We just go. I mean, we just gonna go to the king and we gonna ask him if he's gonna give us a so a better deal," they would get laughed at. They would have gotten laughed at, just like you get laughed at when you're up, when you're up here begging for equality instead of demanding it. Let's move on. The second phase of monopoly building began shortly after the Revolutionary War. The American colonists immediately drafted the United States Constitution, which imposed on black people the same government-sponsored tyranny that the colonists rejected under the English rule. The quote-unquote founding fathers of this nation, most of whom were slaveholders and sympathetic to other slaveholders, drafted and ratified the United States Constitution. That document gave the colonial slaveholders a collusive monopoly. The same monopolistic controls that England had over colonists before the war. So they basically oppressed you the same way the British were oppressing them. You know what that makes me think about? It makes me think about how you ever hear you ever hear stories about how a kid goes to school and he's like the biggest bully, right? And then when you when you go when you follow him home, you go to his house, you find out that he's being bullied by his dad. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Right? He's <laughs> he learned how to bully from a bigger bully, right? that's what it is so they learned bullying they, they learned that, that you know that, that only power will get you respect that only fighting will get a response they learned that from their own experience with a different kind of oppression sure it wasn't chattel slavery it wasn't what we went through but it was some. it was it was a type of oppression it was a type of, of as Dr. Anderson political subordination economic exploitation and social dominance right so so they bullied you the same way the British had bullied them and, they're, and so in a way, they're kind of like passing the ball to you, like, okay, either it, it's going to be the way we want it to be until you change the rules. So here's the thing. Here's something I'm going to say that's really going to maybe upset some people. I don't know. I'm going to say it anyway. But it really makes me go back to think about when Kanye West said slavery was a choice, right? I'm not telling you to agree with his statement because y'all know Kanye, he, he's touched. He, he's brilliant sometimes. Sometimes he's not as brilliant. But let me just say this. There are people in the world, intelligent, logical people, good people, who would say to you that, yes, slavery is a choice. You know, like their attitude is, okay. yeah, you go ahead and try to make me a slave, motherfucker. Like, excuse my friend, I'm not going to cuss him, I promise. But seriously, that's what, yeah, yeah, make me try. You go ahead and try that. Try to make me a slave and watch what happens if you do. So, so, so again, it goes back to that leverage piece the leverage when dealing with the bully may not necessarily mean that you have the resources to defeat the bully it just means that you have the ability to make the bully pay a high enough price for attacking you that he's going to think twice before he does do you follow what i'm saying here do you get what i'm saying <laughs> like like is that, like i might not be able to defeat you but I'm going to literally, I'm going to bite your ankles off and, and and make you bleed so much that you're literally going to spend three weeks recovering from all the damage I do to you. I'm going to hurt more than you, right? You're going to give me level 10 damage. I'm going to give you level six, but that level six is really going to hurt because I'm going to leave it all on the court. I'm going to give you every single piece of pushback I possibly can. I'm not going to make this easy for you. I'm not going to just walk along with it. I'm not just going to go ahead and let you just do what you're going to do. You gonna, you, you're still going to win, but the price you pay will be so high that you might go pick another victim outside of me. That is what happened with the Native Americans. The Native Americans can't defeat the white man. You saw what happened to the Native Americans, but they couldn't make them slaves because they said, damn, these people, if you try to enslave them, they keep fighting back. Right, like um, <laughs> just, I'm not gonna keep going with this, but this is this is the point, right? There, there's something about about this um, very passive integrationist mindset that the, the way you have to be careful is that you make things a little bit too easy, you know, it, it, you make it so, you know so so simple for easy, you know, it's very easy for someone to intimidate you and to get you to just kind of go along. Right, without necessarily putting up any kind of a struggle whatsoever, and and I really think you you should struggle. I think you should fight back. I think that should be part of our culture. So so it says just as slave labor had made England wealthy, it allowed southern slaveholders to operate in their own best interest rather than the best interest of the northern whites or enslaved blacks. The North eventually concluded that it could not acquire competitive wealth and political power until it broke the South's monopoly on black labor. In 1861, the Civil War broke out between the North and the South over wealth and political power. The third phase of monopoly building occurred after the North won the Civil War. The war effectively destroyed legalized slavery and transferred the South's monopolies on wealth and political power to the North. The North focused its newly acquired wealth and power on industrializing the North and the West. The massive amounts of money previously invested in the slavery industry and Civil War military production was used to build bridges, canals, railroads, ships, and factories. However, in achieving the political and economic defeat of the South, the North had ignored the 5 million ex-slaves. So you were kind of like laid off from your job with no resources. You weren't really... You weren't really freed. You just, like Julian, my friend Julian Gordon says, you were fired. <laughs> you weren't freed from slavery. You were fired. So you're just out there. You're just out there. You know, n- with no resources, no nothing. So they're doing all these things, and, and you're just kind of just like wallpaper or something. Like you, you exist, but you're not a relevant player in in this game. And I think that that still kind of happens to this day. I kind of think that that when they're making big plans for the future, we're not really part of those conversations the way we really should be. And um, and so he says here, major political organizations in the North went on record, pay attention now, this is, a, this is for your allies. Every time you run into a Democratic Party ally who's white, I need you to read this sentence to them. Major political organizations in the North went on record opposing emancipation of enslaved blacks unless they were shipped out of the country in order that they not compete against the white man's labor. Did y'all hear what I'm saying? Did y'all hear what I just said? Did y'all hear what I just said? This is why I want us to take a moment and take a deep breath. And I want us to say thank God for Dr. Claude Anderson because this is not what you are taught in school. This is not what you are taught in school. I'll read it again. Major political organizations in the north, in the north, this is these are the good white folks. These are your allies. They went on record opposing the emancipation of enslaved blacks. They did not want black people to be free. They went on record saying, keep those Negroes locked up unless they said they only want you to be free unless you were shipped out of the country. Why shipped out of the country? so that you would not compete against the white man's labor that is interesting that's the, that the point that's being made there is you don't have any friends you don't have, when the resources are scarce you have no friends you are not going to be re- given anything unless you are prepared to take it because he's fighting for his survival too he's a, he feels entitled to whatever he feels entitled to and the only way you can get it is you got to be able to compete for it but so I, I ask you this question, when you're sending your kids to these public schools and your kids are coming out, can't read, can't write, can't do math, but the, all they know how to do is twerk and and, and, and follow some raggedy rapper on Instagram and and, and sit around and, and just mumble their way through life and, and can't critically analyze anything. How are they gonna compete? How do they compete? Your, child, your children are not being prepared to compete in the next generation. So where I, where I need you to get a little bit different is I need you to make sure your kids are ready to compete. And I need them to understand that they ain't got no real friends, that nobody's going to give you the big piece of chicken. You, you're going to have to take it because there's only one chicken leg on the table and only one person gets to eat good. So 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 at the end of the day, this idea of patiently waiting for us to get what we deserve, that is not going to happen. And the other thing you got to stop doing is stop getting so upset and so sad and so angry and frustrated when people just show you who they are, when they show you that they don't care, when they just remind you that you don't care, that they don't care about you, that's fine. They don't care about you. That why? Why should they? Why do you care about them? No, you you really don't. You really don't. They're not your parents. You stop looking for love in all the wrong places. That's that's insanity. That's a mental illness. So 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 at the end of the day, you prepare, you compete, and you fight for what you just think that you deserve. And if you don't get it then that means you kind of don't deserve it. You have not earned it yet. God ain't gave it to you because you ain't fought hard enough to obtain it. When you decide that you are ready to fight for what you deserve, then that is when God is going to hand it to you on a silver platter. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me keep going. The North abandoned black ex-slaves. These are your allies again in the North, the, the, the good white folks. The North abandoned the ex-slaves. The South got the message. So, so your 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 heavy enemies are in the South, right? These are the ones that really want to destroy your families. These are the ones that want to kill you in the middle of the night. These are the ones that want to make sure that you you stay incarcerated. The Northerners, they might or might not come kill you. Not all of them would, but some of them might. But not all of them. They just don't like you. You're a nuisance. It's like, well, well. I mean, I don't want I don't want the baby to live in that in in that abusive house but i don't want them come to live with me All right so so you're kind of you're kind of orphaned you don't have anywhere to go right but so when they find out when your abuser finds out that that the other party isn't willing to take you in then guess what the abuser says hi i got him i got them. they got to come back to me now so here's what he's talking about this now he says the south got the message that the north had abandoned the ex blacks and they commandeered Blacks into semi-slavery while the North looked the other way. Benign neglect. Joe Biden, Democratic Party, that's what they do. (laughs) They just look the other way. You scream and holler about all the abuse you're experiencing, they just look the other way. Well, because we we, we know you really don't want to be Republicans, but, you know, so we don't really have a need to address any of this, right? So he said that they look the other way. According to a memorandum of proceedings in the United States Senate, quote, the southern states by their situation and climate require black labor and must have it or the states will cease to have any any value. Think about this. Think about this. That one sentence right there tells you almost everything you need to know about why your old reparations. They set it on paper in the Senate that without black labor they have no value (laughs) everything they have they owe to you so so this is deep he says so the southern states because so they're sitting there like okay we can't enslave these negroes legally but we know that the people who pass the law aren't really gonna enforce it we just have to find the loophole right so, we need slavery. We just can't call it that. We got to call it something else. So, in order to do this, they enacted the Black Codes. That again, in the Black Codes, again, gave them a shared monopoly control on land, economic resources, governments, education systems, and Black labor for another 100 years. So, later on, we're going to study the Black Codes and what that was. And and slavery hasn't gone away. I mean, you go to prison, I I talked to a brother not too long ago who was in prison making $30 a month, a dollar a day, right? A dollar a day. So, So slavery hasn't gone away. They've just found loopholes for it. As long as they can find a reason to charge you for something. And when they can make the laws, they can keep changing the laws to allow them to charge you for things. All right, so let's keep going. Both the North and the South use various levels of government to create white-only business and political, intellectual, and social monopolies. These advantages of property, technology, political participation, and major business opportunities were passed on to succeeding generations of white males. Boom. That's page 13 in Powernomics.com. So what he's basically saying is this, that by manipulating these laws, In in finding those slavery loopholes, they were able to continue slavery. The reason they were able to continue slavery by another name is because the people, your benefactors, your heroes, the ones who allegedly came to save you, started looking the other way because they didn't know what to do with you. They they didn't even want you around. They were like, no, I don't want them here because they're going to take our jobs and take our opportunities, either ship them back to Africa or ship them back to the South. So they ship them back to the South. The South enacts the Black Codes. To say, okay, these Negroes have no other choice. So they're slaves. Because as I mentioned to you before, what did I say about slavery? I said, slavery is pretty much a lack of freedom. Slavery is when you can't do what you want to do. So when you're in a situation where you're locked in, now pay attention now, I'm going to give you a connect. I'm going to connect some dots for you right quick. So when you're talking about being in a situation where you don't have options, then you effectively become a slave. You are powerless. You can't make choices. So when I'm talking to young people or talking to my own damn kids, I tell them, look, I'm not going to tell you what to do for a living, but I need you to have some options. And I know for a fact that in this country, people who build wealth, who have some assets, they got a lot of options. They can always, they go left they go right, they go up, down, north, south, east, west, backward, forward. They got options. And why is that important? Well, that's important for your mental health. Why? Well, because when they study depression, black people have a higher level of depression than other groups of people, especially you poor black women who are still carrying the whole family and saving everybody but yourself. Black women have the highest rate of depression in the country and you're so strong. Nobody knows it because you don't talk about it. Nobody sees it. And, and and we know people don't care about black women like they should, right? But check on, your, check on your mama, check on your sister, check on your wife, check on your daughter because black women are carrying a heavy load. Black women have the highest depression out there. Read Terry Williams' book, Black Pain. She talks about that. Well, what is link, one of the leading factors that links to high levels of depression is a lack of options, a lack of options. They studied rats, and they were able to measure the serotonin in their brain. The chemicals in their brain could tell them if a rat was depressed or not depressed. The rats that were the most depressed were the ones who didn't have options who would be in, in a consistent amount of pain and discomfort and maybe little electric shocks to the butt or what you might call microaggressions. You're going to work every day. You're dealing with these little electric shocks to your butt, these little microaggressions where you're constantly you know, being called names and they're touching your hair or they're, or they're disrespecting you in some subtle way and there's nothing you can do about it. Because, what? Well, what well, you go back, got to go back to the root. Well, because nobody ever taught you how to start a business. Nobody ever gave you any kind of trust fund. Nobody ever gave you an inheritance. Nobody ever got you in a position where you can own some land. Nobody ever got you in a position where you even felt empowered or skilled enough to walk away from that situation. So you have a lack of options, which leads to depression. That is tyranny. That is slavery. That is the pain point that we are experiencing as Black people. That is something that I encourage you to make sure you address that for your children because there ain't no reason your kids have to live that way. Maybe you went through it. That's why you're here because you, I, you've you identified with it. I have too. But our kids ain't gotta go through that because we've got a plan. We're gonna do what Dr. Anderson says. We're gonna make a plan. What is your plan, black people? Always know that. So we've got a lot to think about. I'm gonna go ahead and shut it down for tonight. Um, just a, a quick reminder. You guys know at the convention, I'm actually. I told my wife today I want to have a gathering of everybody in the book club. So if you're in the Dr. Boy's book club, we're going to have maybe a breakout session where we can all kind of talk together in real life and you can all meet each other because there's hundreds of you in the book, over a thousand actually people that signed up for the book club. There's about three or four hundred of you in, in the room tonight. So uh, at the convention, uh, I'm going to have a gathering for everybody that's in the book club. We're going to get a big room and just kind of come together and have a real life discussion. Maybe I can get Dr. Anderson to join us. I, I'm not sure. I got to see how he's feeling. So um, anyway, if you want to get a discount on your passes for the convention, we we took 30% off the price. Uh, it's it's, like, it's going to be like that for the next 24 hours or so. So feel free to go to boyswalkins.com and uh, you can just um, uh, hit the link where it says All Black National Convention and you can see what kind of passes you want to get for your family. So I hope you guys will come out. I hope you bring people that you love. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in October. Uh, This is going to be really great. I can't wait. All right, everybody. So have a good night. It was real. I'm going to go hang out with my wife. I love every one of you. And remember, what is your plan? Always have a plan. You can't stop a black person with a plan because we're just too extraordinary. I love you. I'll see you all next week. Have a good night. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.